This is the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. The podcast for curious and passionate dental hygienists. Kara RDH here, and I want to thank Listerine for sponsoring this podcast audio article. Although Listerine Antiseptic is the most extensively tested over-the-counter mouth rinse in the world, with over 30 long-term clinical trials examining its safety and efficacy, there is still some misinformation out there over the uses of mouth rinses containing alcohol. To help understand the safety of alcohol-containing mouth rinses, in case any patients ask you about it, head on over to rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. That's rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. The link is also in the description of this audio article. And please note, although a sponsor of this audio article, Listerine and Johnson & Johnson Consumer Inc. had no input into or control over the content being presented in this podcast. Now let's get to the audio article. A hygienist overview of obstructive sleep apnea and Inspire Upper Airway Stimulation Therapy by Brooke Surgent, RDH, BS. Many people don't make the correlation between sleep apnea and dentistry, and it's overlooked or goes unmentioned in the dental setting. However, I like to look outside of the box and focus on any medical factors that my career can and does encompass. Due to the frequency that dental professionals essentially stare down patients' throats, I find the path to a diagnosis of sleep apnea can most certainly begin at a routine dental appointment. Recently, a patient shared about a procedure to control his sleep apnea. This was the first time that I'd heard about this particular treatment, and I took it upon myself to look further into the procedure. Obstructive sleep apnea. Obstructive sleep apnea, OSA, is a sleep disorder in which affected individuals have complete cessation of breathing or a severe reduction in airflow during sleep due to a repetitive closure of the airway. Globally, 100 million people are thought to have OSA, and an overwhelming 80% remain undiagnosed. When a sleeping individual's breathing is reduced and inadequate oxygen is taken in, these episodes are classified as hypopnea. When breathing completely stops while sleeping, this is called apnea. OSA is classified on the apnea hypopnea index, AHI, depending on how often the episodes occur within an hour. The most common method to treat sleep apnea is through positive airway pressure, PAP treatment. The most common and considered standard of care of PAP methods are continuous airway pressure, CPAP, and bilateral positive airway pressure, BiPAP. These sleep apnea machines are worn over the airway while sleeping to help increase oxygen levels. Another method to treat sleep apnea is oral appliances similar to mouth guards. These appliances are called mandibular advancement devices. These devices are available through a dental provider and help to advance the mandible and open the bite for airflow during sleep. Those with OSA who find it hard to comply with a PAP machine may consider this as an alternative treatment. Patients diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea should be given relevant information explaining the various types of treatments available. Research reveals that when patients are afforded the opportunity to decide which treatment they prefer, their adherence to therapy is higher. Upper airway stimulation. In May 2014, the FDA approved a treatment for OSA called Inspire Upper Airway Stimulation, UAS therapy. The genioglossal muscle is a determining factor in upper airway obstruction, 
And UAS therapy stimulates the hypoglossal nerve to activate this muscle. The Stimulation of Sleep Apnea Reduction STAR study conducted on hypoglossal nerve stimulation was pivotal in proving that this stimulation could help aid those with OSA. The STAR study was conducted on 126 individuals who struggled to initiate or maintain the CPAP therapy. Results indicated that the stimulator was associated with a 68% reduction in the apnea hypopnea index, AHI, from 29.3 events an hour to 9 events an hour at 12 months. The study went on to show that participants had improvements in daytime sleepiness and functional outcomes of sleep. Qualifications for UAS therapy include at least 18 years of age, moderate to severe OSA, difficulty accepting or adhering to a CPAP, body mass index, BMI, below 33 kilograms per meter squared, no significant comorbidities such as neuromuscular disease, hypoglossal nerve palsy, severe cardiopulmonary disease, or active psychiatric disease, no pronounced upper airway anatomic abnormalities, anterior-posterior predominant retropalatal collapse on drug-induced sleep endoscopy, UIS therapy. The screening process requires a drug-induced sleep endoscopy. During the procedure, the opening and closing of the airway are examined. If a patient is a good candidate for UIS therapy, small incisions under the chin, below the collarbone, and the side of the chest below the ribs are made to place the pacemaker-like device into the upper chest cavity with a nerve stimulator extending to the hypoglossal nerve. The implanted system consists of three fully implanted components, including a small generator, a breathing sensor lead, and a stimulation lead. Four weeks post-surgery, the device will be activated and followed by a post-operative sleep study to ensure that the device is correctly providing proper stimulation. A patient controls their device with a wireless remote that turns it on before sleep and off after awakening. Patients will still be required to return for annual checkups with their providers. Implant-related complications can include bruising and tingling of the tongue that are usually temporary and resolve within weeks. Transient tongue weakness and soreness may occur as well. With acclimation, device programming, or both, tongue soreness improves over time. Serious complications are rare, and they occur in less than 1% of patients. Dental patients with an Inspire UIS system. The Inspire system implant manual's physician instructions to the patient include inform personal physicians, consulting physicians, or dentists that they have an implanted stimulation system. Patients should be instructed by their physician to carry their Inspire medical system's ID card at all times. The implantable pulse generator, IPG, is designed to ensure immunity from most common sources of electromagnetic disturbance. In most cases, turning off the electromagnetic disturbance source or moving away from the electromagnetic disturbance source will return the IPG to normal operation. However, the manual states that extremely strong sources of electromagnetic disturbance could interfere with normal IPG operation, causing the IPG to reset and requiring the IPG to be reconfigured. Examples of strong sources include defibrillation, for example, AED for cardiac arrest, and radiation therapy for cancer treatment. To reduce the possibility of electromagnetic interference, patients are recommended to use therapy only while asleep. Regarding dentistry, the Inspire System Implant Manual explains that exposure to diagnostic radiographs should not affect the IPG or leads. As with any implantable electrical device, if any questions arise regarding dental care treatment modifications or contraindications, dental professionals should reach out to the patient's physician for guidance.
guidance, and any physician guidance should be documented in the patient's chart. Assisting with diagnosis. Making it a routine habit to evaluate patients for sleep apnea will help dental professionals provide valuable information to their patients. While dental professionals cannot diagnose sleep apnea, they can help initiate the diagnosis with a doctor who can. A two-minute questionnaire developed by the University of Toronto called the Stop Bang can help determine if a patient is at risk. Dental-related risk factors that dental professionals can physically assess include jaw structure, size of the neck, enlarged tonsils or tongue, gastroesophageal reflux, deviated septum, and obstructive breathing when placed in the supine position in the dental chair. Having these conversations with patients is important to help improve their quality of life. Many patients have a personal relationship with their dental professionals and will value and appreciate their professional opinion. While we are well aware of how much we're part of the mouth-body connection, providing this type of screening and evaluation will help validate our worth to our patients. Before you leave, check out the Today's RDH Self-Study CE courses. All courses are peer-reviewed and non-sponsored to focus solely on pure education. You can find out more by visiting dentalce.todaysrdh.com. Thank you for listening to the audio article. I want to thank Listerine again for sponsoring this episode and for their recognition of the important role hygienists play in the dental office. I encourage you to check out the Clearing Up Mouth Rinse Misinformation page at rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. It is a great resource to help understand the safety of alcohol-containing mouth rinses if a patient ever brings it up with you. That's rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. The link is also in the description. Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.